Today is Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Harvard fumbles again on the topic of anti-Semitism. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe and leave a rating on the podcast platform that you're on. We'd very much appreciate that. Also, we'd like to hear from you. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. That's our email address. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. Joining me now to get through the news of the Cray, Tragons Phillips, who has returned from Chosen Land and he's returned from the March for Life. And now they're flip flopping. Billy is now on assignment filming some uh, stuff for an uh, upcoming documentary that's what we'll tell you about in the coming days and weeks. Uh, and that's going to be an interesting one. That's a whole other story. But. Trey and I holding down the fort. Trey, happy Tuesday. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday. It's kind of crazy that we're that these trips were scheduled back to back. Yeah. So we're just our CBN Faithwire team. We're just all over the place right now. <laughs> We've got it covered. <laughs> good stuff, though. Good stuff happening. Yeah. And not good stuff happening at Harvard. As I mentioned at the yes. top, you have on the focus story here. They kind of fumbled on this issue yet again. Yeah, so they've obviously made making a lot of news, and uh, uh, particularly when it comes to Israel. And now they've created a new anti-Semitism task force. But the person that they've chose to co-lead it is a bizarre choice. I'll just leave it there, and we'll talk about the details. Yeah, we'll hear why, and it's not good, but uh, important to know. And so we'll look forward to that. Also on the main thing, the CEO of a new Christian gaming and content platform is on a mission to transform entertainment. Billy's got the interview there with the CEO and founder of True Play. All that and more coming up on today's podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our newer podcast, DC Debrief with John Stolness and Newsmakers. Uh, you can do so in the link to this podcast episode. Right now, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. On Sunday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rejected Hamas's demands for a deal to end the war. Their demands included a ceasefire, a halt to Israel's military campaign, and the release of thousands of Palestinians held by Israel in exchange for the remaining hostages. Netanyahu said, if we agree to this, our warriors fell in vain. If we agree to this, we will not be able to guarantee the security of our citizens. We will not be able to return the evacuees safely to their homes. And the next October 7th will only be a matter of time. Netanyahu also denied a claim by President Biden that the prime minister might be open to some type of a two-state solution. And former President Trump was joined by former opponents Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Doug Burgum in New Hampshire as a, quote, show of force that the GOP is united against Joe Biden. Currently, the real clear politics average, which I've been touting to y'all, as being one of the more accurate ways to look at how things are going in the polling. Right now, they show Trump ahead of Biden by two points in a hypothetical head-to-head. -head. And a video showing a 2012 receipt from Taco Bell has gone viral for the price on it, as food prices have skyrocketed 33% since 2021, and this is just one indication of that. Those are just some of today's top headlines. Go check out more over at CBNNews.com. And obviously, we have a lot going on with Israel, with the politics, and uh, that going on with New Hampshire today. 
But I, I did want to mention, because it's related to, I think, how the vote's going to go in November, uh, which, you know, unless something crazy happens, as uh, Billy and I were talking about yesterday in the podcast, and it's, it's likely going to be Trump versus Biden again, a rematch. But, I mean, this viral video showing a receipt from Taco Bell from 2012, basically this woman posts on there and says she's upset. She's frustrated at all the rising prices. And I don't know how she had this receipt from 2012, but uh, it it showed her paying $2.59, just $2.59 for two beefy five-layer burritos. And just one of those now costs $3.59. And so those food prices are going up, even fast food. And, I, and the reason this resonated with me, Trey, is uh, I took my three boys out for a lunch yesterday and we went to McDonald's and the price for four, I have three sons and myself, the price for four of us was $49. <laughs> and That's insane. Uh, it just seems like a lot for McDonald's. I feel like I used to be able to do like, you know, you get a couple value meals and it'd be like, you know, 30 bucks or something. It just, it's, it just seems, everything seems higher now. And I do think that level of frustration, if it continues into November, is where I think you're going to see the biggest sort of upswell on the, on the, on the polls. Yeah, and I also just, I don't understand the, the campaigning methodology for uh, Biden right now because he's, he's going out and he's talking about how incredible the economy is doing, how he's Bidenomics, added more yeah. jobs than any other president. He's doing the Bidenomics thing and uh, just touting just how much of a success economically his presidency has been. And it just seems to me like we're more so hearing people talking about this kind of stuff, right? That uh, like I, I actually went to McDonald's not that long, like a couple weeks ago, I guess. And I, I was just kind of, I think you kind of get used to paying the high prices that you're paying and you don't necessarily realize it on a day-to-day basis that yeah. they've gone up so much. But I just happened to look down at my receipt and I, was, I don't remember what I got, but, you know, burger, fries, and a drink uh, was about $12 just for that. And I was yeah. thinking, man, I, I could have just gone to a sit down, like a real restaurant That's and gotten right. real food. <laughs> right. No, no dig on McDonald's. McDonald's, but I couldn't. I could have gotten not mystery meat for about the same price. Yeah. Uh, now it wouldn't have tasted as wonderful as McDonald's is and whatever they put in there that makes it taste so good. <laughs> but but still, uh, yeah, it's insane that I was paying twelve dollars for that. So it, yeah. it just seems like I don't know. I feel like people are going to be frustrated if Biden keeps campaigning on how incredible the economy is because it's it's just a lie. Like the economy right, is not. not doing well and everybody knows that it's not doing well. So it's kind of like pouring salt in an open wound when Biden right. claims how incredible he's doing. Well, and it, you remember it was a few a year or two ago when inflation was really now cuz inflation sort of stayed high, right? Like maybe it's ebbed and flowed a little bit, but it had a huge spike. And that's what's yeah. leading to a lot of the food prices being high. And remember, we were told at that time by not only Biden, but other economists and stuff that, oh, this is, you know, this is just temporary. You know, we're recovering from it. And you'd hear the reports that, oh, we're having the fastest recovery from this, blah, blah, blah. And then you're still paying all this stuff. And that's just where it doesn't translate. Like you could get away with that sort of messaging when it's some number that it doesn't really affect your day to day life you know, like an interest rate somewhere or the national debt. And like, we know it's bad, but if I'm still able to live relatively comfortably, like it's not going to bother people. They're not going to care as much. They're not going to be that motivated at the polls. But when you say, yeah, you pay 15 bucks for a McDonald's on chick, wait a minute, wait a minute. This, 
What has happened? And that's exactly what this woman's asking in this video. What's what are we doing? What's happening? And it's like, well, let's talk about that. And I think the politician that can make that case better is probably going to win. Unless there's some miraculous turnaround on the economy in the next seven, eight months. But I don't I don't really see that happening. Well, yeah. And you have to remember, too, that the economy prior to 2020 happening and the COVID pandemic happening, the economy under then President Trump was pretty good. Uh, you know, for all of the other complaints that you can level against Donald Trump, uh, he was presiding over a pretty good economy right, for COVID. everyday Americans. Yeah. Uh, so yes, pre-COVID, for those first uh, three years, things were looking pretty good for Americans after coming out of an economy that wasn't so great either. So uh, it'll be interesting to see whether Americans remember that. I know Americans have sort of a, a short memory, yeah. but also the short memory might come in handy for Trump too, because it was 2016 when he was last elected president. And I don't. I don't know about you, but I don't re remember much of of 2016 <laughs> broadly. I remember Trump, obviously. Yeah. You can forget the Trump versus Hillary Hillary, you know, campaign. But correct. Yeah. You know, I I do think that the distance and the time will work in Trump's favor. Yeah. Well, time will tell, and uh, we will keep tracking the numbers. We'll keep tracking the results as they come in. The next one is New Hampshire, and we'll see if Nikki Haley how she performs and if she's going to stick around in this race. And we have a live stream coming up on YouTube. Be sure to check that out. I'll have the link to that live stream in this podcast as well. So you can get notified when we go live. You can hang out with us as we check out the results that are pouring in tonight. Looking forward to that. All right. We are going to head over to the focus story now. And Harvard was part of this group of Ivy League schools that just had a disastrous hearing in front of Congress in which they just had a hard time seeming to disavow and to denounce anti-Semitism and those presidents lost their jobs over it. Well, now they've been tasked with creating an anti-Semitism task force and who did Harvard choose to lead this task force? Yeah, you know, Harvard is already off to a really bad start. It's like you're in a race and you're running and the first thing you do is you trip. Like this is what Harvard has done is they've fallen down at the very beginning of this race. Uh, so they've created their new anti-Semitism task force. It was just instituted uh, at the end of this past week. So they haven't really even gotten the ball rolling, but they're already facing a ton of scrutiny for it because uh, they chose a professor uh, to co-chair uh, who has accused Israel of ethnic cleansing and has labeled Israel, quote, a regime of apartheid. Uh, I'm not certain what the why that would be like, oh, this is the one to pick. It's, the, <laughs> right. it's this guy. It's the one who's accused Israel of apartheid. That is our guy to be the leader of this anti-Semitism task force at Harvard. So interim president, Alan Garber, he named this professor. His name is Derek Pensler. He's a historian and he's the director. This is probably the reason that he was picked is because he's the director of Harvard Center for Jewish Studies. But he certainly is no fan of Israel or the Jewish state in any way. Uh, he's been pretty openly critical of Israel. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I guess because of his position as director of the Center for Jewish Studies at Harvard, uh, interim president Garber decided to choose him as the co-chair for Harvard's anti-Semitism task force. And at the same time as uh, Harvard started this task force, they also started an Islamophobia task force because 
one can't be outdone by the other. Yeah. So they had to make sure that they had both at the same time. What do we know about all the things he said sort of in the past about Israel? You mentioned a little bit about it, but what else do we know? So he did an interview uh, earlier this month, and he said, uh, we have a problem with anti-Semitism at Harvard, just like we have a problem with Islamophobia and how students converse with each other. The problems are real. Both outsiders took a very real problem and then proceeded to exaggerate its scope, uh, talking about how people outside of Harvard, he said that they are just making a mountain out of a molehill is kind of the the gist of his comments uh, in early January, which that's already kind of was raising eyebrows enough. People were saying, we're not exaggerating this problem. There are literally pro-Hamas students on Ivy League college campuses uh, who are rallying for Hamas and criticizing Israel and obviously making very anti-Semitic comments. So that was already kind of a head scratcher. But even prior to that, he's made some even more uh, blatantly inflammatory comments Uh, in a December column for the Harvard Crimson, which is uh, Harvard's university Uh, student newspaper. Uh, He said that Harvard, quote, has obscured the vulnerability of pro-Palestinian students who have faced harassment by people outside of the university and verbal abuse on and near campus. And then in August of last year, this is, I think, the real kicker, uh, is he added his name uh, to an open letter that was blatantly claiming that Israel uh, is guilty of ethnic cleansing and implementing, quote, a regime of apartheid against Palestinians. Uh, The letter's writers went on to accuse the Israeli government of implementing a messianic, homophobic, and misogynistic agenda and called on U.S. lawmakers to, quote, restrict American military aid from being used in the occupied Palestinian territories. Uh, So he's, again, clearly not an ally or advocate for the Jewish state, and yet Harvard has chosen him to be at the helm of this anti-Semitism task force. Really quite remarkable, especially, as I said, given what happened at that congressional hearing recently. How are people responding to this news? Not well, Dan. <laughs> so um, the Stop Anti-Semitism uh, organization is uh, not within Harvard. This is just a, a larger organization uh, that speaks out against an- anti-Semitism in the United States. Uh, they said they were in a statement in response to uh, Pensler being appointed, said at Harvard University, quote, the rot of anti-Semitism at the disgraced schools sinks to a new low as Derek Pensler, a member of the school's task force to fight anti-Semitism, is outed for calling Israel an apartheid regime. Uh, And then others have, of course, uh, sounded off with similar comments uh, saying that Israel, not Israel, that Harvard is very clearly not off to a good start and is not taking this issue seriously and that they're choosing uh, this man to be the person leading the task force. So I think yet again, Harvard has put themselves in a position where they're going to have to be accountable for the decisions that they've made. And it's wild to me this comes not, I mean, just a few weeks from a marketing and PR standpoint why they would choose this person doesn't make any sense. As you mentioned, when we were first setting up this story, they're just weeks away from having lost their president, Harvard president, Claudine Gay, uh, who resigned after facing not only allegations of plagiarism, which was kind of the the last nail on the coffin to her career at Harvard, but before that, she was facing all kinds of intense criticism over her testimony before Congress when she refused to state uh, that calls on the university campus for genocide against Jewish people 
is clearly a violation of the school's code of conduct. You would think that that would be an easy thing to do, Should but that be. was not an that was not an easy thing for her to do to say uh, that um, genocide against Jewish people is a is the wrong thing to say. Um, so yeah. you would think that they would pick somebody who would either not make news at all or would be very pro Jewish, you know, very pro Jewish state, right? Maybe. Uh, to lead this anti Semitism task force, but maybe, they've chosen this guy instead. Maybe call me crazy. Maybe get someone who's Jewish. All right, yeah. <laughs> to to be on this task force, I could probably help with the perspective there. Really remarkable, just to because I thought this is the college, right, where the smart people go, supposedly, and so it leaves you to think, well, they're not dumb enough to know that this is not a good look. So the only conclusion you're left with here is they don't care. And they just want to have this opinion, I guess, and they and they want to push this. I mean, it's the only, it's the only conclusion you could really come away with, uh, you know, un- other than saying that it was just a dumb mistake. But again, these are supposed to be the smartest of the smart that that teach and go to this school, so in this university, so uh, really, uh, really pretty sad, and uh, just shows you the state and the hatred that still exists for the state of Israel and Jewish people. Yeah, I think ultimately it comes down to um, just apathy, right? You know, I think it's it's not necessarily, uh, in my view, maybe not an intentional decision to pick him because he's going to be combative. I think it was just, we have to do this anti-Semitism task force. So right. this guy is the head of the Center for Jewish Studies here. They didn't vet him. They didn't look into anything uh, as far as, you know, would this be actually the right person to lead this task force or not? I think they're just, let's check off the box. Let's do this so that it's done. Uh, and they ended up choosing a person who obviously is very problematic to be leading yeah. an, an anti-Semitism task force. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if the criticism becomes loud enough that Harvard feels the need to respond uh, or if they're just going to kind of bury their head in the sand and yeah. act like this is was not a problematic nomination. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if the tenure lasts longer than Claudine Gay's, which was the <laughs> shortest in the history of the university for someone at yeah. president. So, but all right, well, uh, important stuff and appreciate you bringing that one uh, to the radar on the podcast today. Trey, we're going to head over to the main thing right now. And the CEO of a new Christian gaming and content platform is on a mission to transform entertainment while also protecting kids from the avalanche of over-sexualized, secular content that we're seeing everywhere. Brent Dusing, CEO and founder of True Play, joined Billy for today's Main Thing. You are the CEO of True Play, a Christian gaming platform. What can you tell us about the company? You know, it's been awesome. We just released True Play two weeks ago, and we've had such a great response from parents and families all over the country. What TruePlay is, is a subscription platform. It's an entertainment platform for you and your family with dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of content. Video games, high-quality games, digital comics, cartoons. Everything we do is done with excellence and fun, but everything we do also contains God's truth. That's incredible. And you've been you've been in this game for a long time, you know, pun intended here, making games and helping, you know, really usher along truth to kids. You've been working on this um, for a while. You said you obviously just launched with True Play here. What for you is the definition of success for this? Because this is a this is a different animal from a lot of the other, you know, platforms that are out there right now in the entertainment space. It is very different. You know, we we started this 
because we're so concerned about what's going on with kids. And, you know, Billy, I know you you know this, but I'm not sure everybody, I think most parents realize it's bad for kids. I don't think they know how bad. 31% of kids in America believe in God, only 31%, compared to 62% of people 40 years old and older. And you say, wow, why is that? How did we get here? It's very simple. 52 and a half hours is the average amount of time a child spends on a screen. They're only at church 30 minutes a week. Now, for the first time in our lifetimes, less than half of Americans go to church. So we really are facing a crisis with children. Anxiety, suicide, depression rates are all-time highs. Pornography exposure, all-time highs for kids. All types of toxic content thrust on kids. And you you know, parents are looking for what can they trust. We're bringing something to the market that we just, just released, TruePlay, that not only can parents trust, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to emphasize your values. It's going to bring God's truth to your children, but they're going to really enjoy it, not feel like he's getting forced on them, but feel like it's something that's fun and engaging. They're going to want to keep coming back to again and again. So when somebody logs into TruePlay, when they become members, when they log in, what, what do they see? What types of games do they see? What is the content like? Because I think that's going to be the main question people have. You know, what am I, what am I seeing once I get in there? Yeah. So there's, there's, all, there's dozens of options. There's um, games that are very high-quality mobile games like you might uh, play on your device today. So there's, there's platformers, there's puzzle games, there's action-adventure games, um, there's word puzzle games. And some of our games are based on the Bible. We have a game called Stained Glass where you collect glass pieces. They form a stained glass window. The window comes to life, and the Bible comes to life. A character from the Bible tells you their story. We have another game called King David's Battles, which is coming out shortly. Um, obviously about King David. And then a lot of our content you see on my T-shirt and a lot of our characters on the True Play website are these animal characters, Maple and Lucas and Benjamin and Oliver. They're characters who live in a world where God is real and the Bible's true, but they go they look kind of ridiculous, but they go on these fantastical adventures. They have their own personalities. Some, by the way, believe in God and others are learning about who he is, but they go on these grandiose adventures in their games. True Play also contains comics that we make. We also partner with the Action Bible. We have other partners we're in discussions with who are bringing their content on shortly. There's also video content. So it's really a whole kind of a platform for all types of entertainment options uh, for kids and families, everything that contains God's truth that we do. Yeah. And you raised such an interesting point at the top about entertainment and the content that kids are taking in. You know, we've seen a lot of development in the movie space, the TV space, the video space, right? We have not seen as much in the video game space. And so it's really interesting that you are all in on this. You guys are doing this. You know, video games are incredibly powerful and incredibly Im important. They have a major impact. And, and look, there's a lot of research on this, right? The negative impact of video games. And here, you're creating something that can have a positive impact. Where do you see True Play in five years? You know, our goal is to reach millions and millions of children and families all across the world. We're starting now in the U.S., and the response has been awesome. When you look at the usage rates, we've got a 4.9 out of 5 average on Apple uh, App Store, and we're just beginning. And we see you know, we're going to have more games, we're going to have more entertainment experiences, um, more video content, cartoons, uh, deeper games, games that are um, you know, immer you know, more and more immersive games. So we're gonna we're adding new content all the time. As a matter of fact, we're just now releasing an update to it that includes a brand new game. So there's always new things, new comics, new games coming. In five years, we'd like to see millions of people using this and not just using TruePlay, but we want to see a generation change. You know, Billy, 
if 31% of children in America believe in God, it's no surprising that anxiety, suicide, and depression rates are all-time highs, right? It's no surprising there's so much toxicity on children because they're not being shown God's truth. Well, what if it went from 30 to 40 to 50 to over half of kids believed in God? It would change the country. It probably would change the world. Yeah, and that's the thing right now, right? We have this crisis of worldview. Worldview is not being instilled in kids, and yet here you have this tool. You know, Kids are playing video games every day where they can have fun while they're learning about God, while they're learning about truth, while values are being instilled on them. That's an intensely important thing. And I know a lot of parents want that for their kids, and they don't really know where to go to get it. And so here you guys hear you're doing this, and it's pretty you know, incredible to see that. For you, when you look at the landscape, the entertainment landscape, what content-wise right now in the video game sector especially most concerns you? I'm really concerned about th there's way too much sexual content for kids. There's way too much you know, hyper-violent stuff. I, we, look, there, there's games where there's going to be action, adventure, and fighting bad guys. That's fine. But the, the, the gruesome violence and the kind of dehumanization of people. And then the third one is kind of the glamorization of drugs. You know, and, and there's so much evidence about how much brain damage drug, drugs cause and how younger and younger people are getting involved in drugs at younger ages, how many deaths are involved with drug use. And yet the glamorization of such in many video games, um, all those things concern me. The, the spiritual darkness as well. There's a lot of games that are very, you know, kind of demonic or spiritually dark. So we are pretty concerned. Frankly, at, at True Play, a lot of people here are parents. Now, I'm blessed to have a world-class team of people who have made They've been at some of the top gaming and tech companies that made a lot of games you've probably played. But most of us are parents and we're concerned. And instead of just complaining, we decided to start a company to do something about it that um, hopefully brings change and, and options to parents. Because I think, you know, too often in the past, a parent had a choice. Here's something that my kid enjoys. Here's something that I can actually trust with the values, but the, the quality wasn't there. It was well-intentioned kids' content but the quality bar didn't match the secular options that they had. What we've brought, you know, just in the last few weeks at True Play is the merging of excellence and beauty, but also something that's going to bring the truth of Jesus Christ and that's going to uh, bring the foundation of biblical values. And really, at the end of the day, how much God loves them, which is a message anybody needs to hear. All right, Billy, appreciate that conversation there. Very important. You know, Christians engaging in the world, we want to be... Um in the world, not of the world, I believe, is how the saying goes. And uh, this is a good example of that. Christians trying to make things that are safe for Christians to consume, right? Because our hearts uh, need to be guarded. We need to be very careful with all the things we're putting in uh, to our bodies. So appreciate uh, Billy bringing that one to the table here, letting us know about that. All right. That's going to leave us with uh, time for one last thing on the pod today. Yeah, speaking of our hearts and keeping them guarded, uh, we're going to look at Psalm 73, 26. It says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength, is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Yeah, yeah amen to that. A good reminder and a good spot to leave it on this Tuesday episode of the podcast. Our flesh and our heart may fail. They often do, but that's why we lean on God. Appreciate that. Psalm 73. All right. Don't forget to get on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise on us, we shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. We'll see you then.